I'll do that. Let me get back in here. Turn Craig bot off. Craig. It's Craig. No, it's it's great. Craig. Craig. Gosh. <laughs> Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. Thank you for joining us on the Walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and discuss life. We're glad to have you as part of the fellowship as there's no telling where we'll be swept off to. And it is Christmas time. Almost uh, happy, merry almost Christmas to you, Seth, and to all our listeners out there. I hope you guys are getting all your very favorite Tolkien gifts for your friends and your families. Uh, The best gift that you can give is a recommendation to listen to our podcast. I think that's really the best gift you can give this Christmas season. <laughs> think about the endless hours of joy oh, man. that that would bring to them. Absolutely. Between I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, so keep that in mind as you're giving away your, your gifts this, this Christmas season. But uh, as always, we're going to babble like Butterbur for a little bit, catch up. It's been, again, about another month, month and a half since we've podcasted. So I'll check in with my brother Seth over in Michigan. How's it going? You guys got any snow? I, like, is it is it winter wonder wonderland over there yet? Nah, and this is actually a bone I have to pick. I mean, Ooh. At, when we moved here, everybody's like, "You're gonna hate it. It's cold and snowy all the time, and this and that." I mean, Colorado's already been hit with what, like three or four snowstorms, from what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it snowed pretty good when we were out there. That's awesome. We haven't. Yeah. We've seen a couple of dustings. It's like fifty and sunny today. Not that this is Ugh. normal, but it's just like yeah. seriously. It's almost Christmas. This is like the time of year where I just want like I live close enough to work that I could get to work no matter what. Like, give me feet yeah. of snow. Like, give me three <laughs> feet. I just want to feel the like, you know, the season's jolliness, if you will. Like, yeah, yeah. I love snow and it's just it's a bone to pick at the moment and the forecast says no snow for us unfortunately but yeah. maybe that'll change i mean one can hope right fingers crossed how about, yeah how about you guys i know that you're probably not getting any snow but is it at least feeling like christmas or close to it yeah in the mornings you know it's nice and cold yesterday i went on a run in the morning around 6 30 and it was about 24 degrees so Ooh. i had to bundle up a little bit for that nice and crisp but then by the end of the day like midday it was like 50 degrees and sunny and so yeah it's one of those just like eh, you get tastes of it but not yeah not what i'd want for sure and i don't think we're gonna get snow for christmas we got it last year surprisingly in kentucky but yeah not uh it's pretty rare though right in kentucky it's yes. pretty rare yeah We'll get probably two, maybe three tops, like snowfalls. I say snowfall, like an inch, inch and a half. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, man, we took Evelyn to meet Santa for the first time last night. There's here in Midland, there's like an absolutely stunning Santa house that they just leave all like year round and they open it, you know, every night during you know like a two three week span right before christmas so that the kids can come and meet santa and it's just a magical magical house there's you know toy trains everywhere there's elves hanging from the ceiling there's all kinds of lights and it's just it's it's beautiful and amanda and i got there it opened at six we got there at 5 30 we were like ah hopefully it's not you know gonna be too long of a line and this was on a thursday night this was last night and we still like we waited 30 minutes cause we got there early and we still had to wait like another 30 minutes just to get in. And Jeez. this is just the local thing that they do for free. Um, yeah. we put, <laughs> I think mom and dad got it for us, but 
we put Evelyn in this little black and red dress and she had a red bow in her hair and uh, she was just that was super cute. She's just so adorable and she loved it. I don't know that she cared for Santa all that much, but she was just, <laughs> she wasn't upset. She just was like, who sure. the heck are you and why are you holding me? But yeah, she loved yeah. looking around at everything and she was pointing, uh, 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 and then like uh, nodding yeah. and saying, please, I want it, please, please. It's like, no, oh, no, cute. you can't grab the nutcracker. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. You can kind of, at least up here, it seems like people take Christmas more seriously than they did back home. I don't know if that's sure. because it's more of a winter state, even though Colorado is too, but so many more people put up their lights and go all yeah. out. And it's just, it does feel like, you know, the Christmas spirit. We just, we really could use some snow. Right. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I think people, cause it, I've, I felt that way out here, even like with the lights and tri- decorations, I think for how fit Colorado is, I think they're just lazy when it comes <laughs> to this kind of stuff. You know, I think huh. it's just like, it's too expensive to live out there anyway. We're not going to spend more money on lights, like <laughs> electricity lights. Yeah. That's a, uh, maybe I don't know. I just pull that out of my butt, but yeah, no, it, it is weird. Like they, we got lots of decorations around our street. It's so fun driving in. You got some like really classy looking houses, and then yep. some like crazy tacky looking houses. And those are my favorite, honestly. <laughs> you like oh, the tacky yeah. ones? <laughs> oh, I love them. Yeah, we have just down the street a. It's got to be a thirty foot snow uh, snowman inflatable. Like it, it almost goes to the top of their house. It's crazy. Oh it takes up their What's entire the front lawn. What's the point of that? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, but man. it looks cool. It looks cool. <laughs> That's wild. How's Baron doing? Does he have have you gone to where like he can see the lights and it like I know he's still little, but does it catch his view and he like focuses in on him or is he still yeah. a little bit young to, to do that? No, he's he's very bright eyed and likes looking around kind of like Evie, like you mentioned. He we we took him to uh, Colorado over Thanksgiving and went to Estes Park for the Christmas parade like we always do. And so some of the floats driving by and it was cold, man. It was like 12 degrees. It was flurrying. We got him in like a snowsuit. It was, it was super cute. And so he was he was awake for like half of it. Then he just ended up falling yeah. asleep. But but he was he was looking at him for a little bit like he was he would follow him and then go to the next one. Yeah. And, and then just recently we uh, went to we have like our little Christmas tree lighting ceremony here in our little town of Georgetown, which I love oh, like cool. that's yeah. like living in a small town. You, you get that. Like there wasn't anything yep. like that in Colorado, but we have this tree that's in main street and everything shuts down. Santa gets on this fire truck and he gets above the tree and on the tree to make it light up. And it lit up before the dust hit the tree. Cause they <laughs> didn't mm. time it right. But you know, it was still like we took him and he was hanging out with us. He ended up falling asleep for that too. And then actually w- woke up and started screaming. So, I don't think he actually really liked that one, but naturally, but still like just the experience of being able to take him and you're like, ah, like, I don't know. Yeah. I keep telling Amanda this, but being a parent is perpetually like a tug of war between mm. I want time to freeze and never move past this moment. And I also yeah. want to skip ahead a few years so that I can experience this with my child when they, when they can get excited, when they know what's going on, as opposed to yes. just like being along yeah. for the ride but I don't want to wish away any of the time that I have currently, you know? Sure. And I'm sure is, you yeah, felt that so weird. the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is like, even just for like Christmas, we put up the tree and yeah, he, he likes seeing the lights and stuff up on the tree, but you know, we're getting him like his first ornament that we're picking out for mm. him, but we can't wait for him to pick out his own ornaments. And yeah. again, these are traditions that we've, I've kind of picked up from Ariel's family that I always kind of laughed at growing up. Like, ah, it's not going to be fun. Like I'm not going to do that with my kids, but and here we are, and it's it's actually a really good time. But we just got him a stocking because 
we were like, well, crap, he doesn't have a stocking. So we just got like a, just a mini tiny little stocking from, okay. from Walmart with the Snoopy logo on it. We were like, this has no like meaning to him, but like when he's <laughs> old enough to pick his own, we'll do that or sure. we'll do like a family one or something. I don't know. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's That's like, cool. I want to, I want him to understand what's so fun about this, but at the same time, I just want to like, hold the cute little snuggly four month old. There's something about just like holding them up to you when they have no idea what's going on and you're talking to them and pointing and just, Oh, it's so magical. And they're just like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they're still like right up against you. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's pretty, that's cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a fun time. It's been a fun holiday season for us. Sounds like it has been as well for you guys. Are you getting, bogged down with like schoolwork and everything else do you have like finals going on right now or is it off semester i just finished this last week so done with one out of nine semesters <laughs> until i graduate with my master's but brother yeah it'll be it'll be a process but one's done so yeah that's all i can ask i'm happy that it's done and not really looking forward to the next semester but yeah. It's one of those things that you do because you have to, not necessarily because you want to. But absolutely, I hear that. Now, we podcasted right after you technically graduated, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say because you just graduated. Yeah, I graduated November fifth. I want to say. Okay, that's and then right, that's right. I just got my diploma in the mail like last week. Um, well, I I mean, the wall behind you is blank. Like. <laughs> You're saying I, I, I need to put, put up. Uh, you're yeah. saying I need to put up my my diploma like right behind me here. Right yeah, that's. Shoulder? Yeah, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I'm probably not. I, I should put something up here. Ariel's got a lot of paintings that we can put up here, but. Uh, Sometimes I wish I could flip around my setup so that instead yeah. of seeing like the library, because I've got um, a map of Balerian up here to my left and a map of middle earth. And I wanted to right. put them, you know, so that they were accurate and like where they were in, in that's the cool. legendarium, but they're just level, but it's, it's, it's it'd be like, a cool background. I was going to say, you can maybe like take a picture of that, then upload it and have it as like a background <laughs> for you. I don't know. But. Yeah. That'd be, a, <laughs> that'd be a bit of a stretch, I think. Yeah, perhaps. Well, we are uh, super excited to be back podcasting again. Talking about Tolkien is my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. I think it's the same for Seth as well. And so before we jump into meat and potatoes, Titans of Fellowship, all that kind of stuff, we're going to jump into Riddles in the Dark, like we always do, oh, finding shoot. some dialogue from mm-hmm. our three-in-one mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings book that we have and seeing if the other person can guess what the context is and who is talking and maybe even a chapter name, even though Seth says he's not very good at chapters. But uh we'll just flip through here you want me to go first or you got something uh i actually found something okay yeah. all right well then, this, yeah. is, this is actually first. kind of a cool this is actually kind of a cool one i think you might have fun with this one okay hit me up. all right you ready here we go where now are the dunadine lsr lsr why do the kinsfolk wander afar would you like me to continue well so this is where it gets tricky because in the movie this is Elrond speaking in the Return of the King, like um, as they're reforging the sword, that whole montage thing. I'm pretty sure. Sure. Um, Is this a movie? No, it's not. That's the issue. That's the issue. (laughs) Exactly. But I want to say this is actually in the. Wait, say say it one more time. 
because I'm trying. Where now are the Dunedine, LSR, LSR? Why do thy kinsfolk wander afar? Near is the hour when the law should come forth, and the great company ride from the north. Okay. Yeah, isn't that then where... It is still Return of the King in the book still. Um... Hmm. Is it is it Elrond speaking? No, no. Let me uh, <laughs> let me let me uh, give you another little bit from a f- little further away. Uh, In happy hour, you have returned to us. Blank cried the dwarf. Yeah, so that's the the gray company is when they take off to go past the dead, and they's got like uh, Elrond's brother or sons with them, right? Arwen's mm-hmm. brothers, um, and so man, I I'm struggling to to picture where it would be because it wouldn't be. It, it wouldn't be Paths of the Dead, right? Like, that's not the... No, 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 no. Okay. Is it the passing of the Great Company, I assume? Is it... No. Okay. It's not even in The Return of the King. <sighs> Yikes. Um, who, who would be saying it? I really thought it was Elrond, but maybe it's Gandalf? Let me read you a couple sentences <sighs> before. So bad so You'll nail it. <laughs> that's okay. Healing I found... And I was clothed in white. Counsel I gave and counsel took. Okay, okay. Those oh, shoot. Yeah. came and all right, messages all right, all right. to some of you. Yeah, I know. Ecuador, I know. And I was bidden to say this. Uh, shoot. Yeah, that's Gandalf the White returning into towers when they're in Fangorn Forest. And yeah. Bingo. I can't believe it took me that long. All right. I tried um, giving you the part with Gimli because Gimli's like, hey, what about me? Didn't, didn't like she say anything <laughs> about me? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where, I, yeah, that was maybe more confusing than helpful. So thanks. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> that was a hard okay. one, though. Yeah, it was. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I got something here. If that isn't the very tree you hid behind when the Black Rider first showed up, Mr. Frodo, it seems like a dream now. Oh, shoot. There's really not a lot going on there to to choose from, but we'll see what you got. Yeah. Um, ah, that's got to be that's got to be Sam, obviously talking to Frodo. Sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Get it I, away. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say that it's. I don't know the name of the chapter, but it's when they're writing. Okay, so it's either when they're writing back to Bag End, or it's after Sauron is killed and he's going with Frodo to uh, the Grey Havens. Am I right about either of those? <laughs> I was going to ask, do you, which one do you think it is? Because yes, I think you are right about one of them. I think them. it's the latter. I think it's when they're going back That's to the Grey impressive. Havens. That's very impressive. Wow. I'm amazed. I really am. <laughs> I got I to gotta brush up on my book reading, I guess. I know these stories. I'm telling yeah, you, the audio. Uh, throw it on to s- go to sleep to, and just put on a sleep timer for ten minutes, and it's it's like one of the highlights of my day. Just I like, crawl in bed, throw it on for ten minutes, sleep timer. 
I yeah. probably hear about three minutes of it and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> we usually do uh, just piano music. I don't think Ariel would go for putting on the entire trilogy, yeah. but I, I have headphones in. <laughs> oh, sure. I can't sleep with headphones in because I'm a side sleeper. So I, it like smushes my ear in. Yeah. I don't like it at all. That's fair. That's fair. All right. I mean, well, you'll keep using it. Just depends on how much you want it. <laughs> fair enough. Seth takes the dub again. Well done. Claps Nothing for new. Seth. Nothing new there. That's true. <laughs> well, we do have a little bit of tidings from the fellowship. So if you listen to our last podcast, we talked about how um, the Battle of Sudden Flame, um, Dagor Bragalach, how, how that may. Tolkien wrote that and how maybe his inspiration for that came from uh, flamethrowers. And I mentioned, I was like, were they even invented World War I during the battle? I don't even know. Thankfully, we have a, a musician, historian, um, all the above, Caleb Linville, who what commented can't on our... he do? <laughs> he can't, yeah, there's, there's nothing he can't do. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he gave us some insight on that. He said, flamethrowers were invented in World War I to break the trenches deadlock on the Western Front. Initially, they were absolutely terrifying. They also had a flamethrower tanks, which were very dragon-like in a way. So, it very well, it could be like he had a had a run in with a flamethrower tank and was like, "Boom, dragon." <laughs> I mean, it. I don't know. Could have been that, or he was very deep in legends and myths and stuff. It, or it could have been sure. that he was deep in legends and myths, and then the lifelike experience with that, you know, made him yeah. be able to articulate it in words. But yeah, I think I even mentioned that that would have like last, last I almost said last week, but last time, I think I even mentioned like how terrifying it would be to have yeah. like a bomb strapped to your back and then running across no man's land in world war one. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'm glad Caleb mentioned that, but man, that had to have been terrifying. And imagine running next to that guy too. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah. At any point, his tank could get hit, and you and everybody else around is now going up in flame. Yeah, that would be insane. Thankfully, I hope we never will have to ever experience that ever. So, <laughs> but yes, thank you for the the thoughts, Caleb. Um, no new uh, reviews or emails or anything like that. So please send them in if you have any thoughts on uh, Give us a what Christmas we're talking present, about, right? Yeah, there you go. Give us yeah. a Christmas. We do a lot of work for you guys. Pro bono. I mean, come on. <laughs> we, I mean, we do spend a like a, a good deal of time, like putting together the, the content, and then obviously time spending editing and shooting and all that kind of stuff. But not to make you feel bad. Like, don't do it. Don't give us a pity review. But if you uh, send us a gift, but if it's a five star, we'll take a pity review. Is what I'm saying. Sure, I'll take a five-star pity review. Absolutely, please do. <laughs> Anywhere you listen to your podcast, give us a review. Uh, hit us up on Spotify. Uh, we didn't have any poll, like any answer to the poll as far as whose fellowship people would take. So I'm just going to assume that right. people were rolling with my uh, fellowship. We'll just assume that. Um, I think that I really poll need to have gotten the right same now. way as our last riddles in the dark. Okay, well, moving on to the next thing we've got here, we have a, a Spotify wrapped, which is cool. So hopefully, uh, you, yeah. if you are listening on Spotify, you've seen us on your Spotify wrapped. But uh, we got some cool little numbers and just factoids here. Um, I'll go through and Seth, you can comment on any that seems surprising to you. But our top cool. episode of our on Spotify, this is just Spotify. This isn't any of our other ones. So, um, but just on Spotify, our top episode was Children of Horan chapter one. So people, I, I guess, really enjoyed us getting into that because it was streamed 234% more than our other episodes. Does that mean our other episodes suck? 
or was that just a really good episode? What I want to know is why it dropped off so much after the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's a That's good a point. That's a great point. Oh, yeah, this is a great read-along. Let's continue this. No, apparently it dropped off right after that. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of an obscure we, uh, one, unless people were, you know, really into that particular story. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. What else you got? Yeah. Other things we have here: eighty-three percent of our listeners were discovered in twenty twenty-three. So most of you guys are are new welcome. within the first welcome. year, and yeah, welcome, welcome. And it was the uh, first chapter of Children Who and that brought you in. Forty-three percent of our new listeners came from that. Um, which is kind of interesting, kind of neat. I don't know, again, how Spotify knows all this, but uh, apparently outside of, yeah, a little weird. Apparently outside of the United States, which was 82% of our total streams, we've also streamed in 13 countries with Australia being the most popular country outside of the United States that we have the most new listeners. So welcome, mates. Uh, we are not going to pro- uh, culturally appropriate you. I'm sorry. Why did I do that? <laughs> because it's hilarious Uh, that's why welcome to our friends down under yeah yes no kidding uh enjoy uh new year's a couple days before us or like you know because like what 20 hours ahead of us i don't know days not a couple days you know what i'm saying i didn't mean a couple days maths (laughs) (laughs) well who was it pippin i think uh billy boyd said he had his birthday in New like Zealand. America and then when he flew or oh. yeah I guess New Zealand or maybe it's the other way around I don't even know but either way he got to celebrate his birthday twice because he had his birthday in one of the countries and then went to the other country and had a, his birthday again because of the time change but anyway that's pretty cool uh, yeah yeah that's, that's pretty neat um, but our, our top three podcast genres from the people who are listening to us is comedy arts and true crime I'd say we're at least one of those um, and their top genres are pop rock and classical apparently so okay. that's what you guys are listening to but uh, uh yeah that's uh for the most part there's we have a lot of shares a lot of like direct link shares um but the most shared episode we had was concerning aragorn and arwen which is interesting oh okay that i think that might have been one of my favorite episodes i i really like yeah. just their story and going through it in the appendices was a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah that was a really good one i i and and it's it's characters that everyone would be familiar with, but just in a deeper level, and you understand their relationship a bit better. Because again, Tolkien is known for, you know, people are like, oh, there's no female characters, there are not any strong female characters, or there's not really much romance. But you just gotta find it. You gotta find it. Yeah. Our podcast rating on Spotify was four point eight, which is pretty impressive. I assume out of five, hopefully not out of ten. <laughs> but uh, so I guess people are rating us on uh, on Spotify, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks, mom. But. <laughs> yep there it is uh but yeah i think that's it's about it we've had 32 percent growth um from streams 80 percent growth in followers and 43 uh, percent growth in minutes created whatever that means so yeah pretty I mean, uh, pretty interesting stuff <laughs> i mean it's not like our podcast gets a ton of views by any means but to sure. see growth, it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. And and we really do appreciate anybody who's listening, even yeah. if you haven't written in or left a review. We still appreciate you. And it's hundred percent. It's just I mean, Sam and I do this to hang out and have fun, but it's cool that we can bring some of you along with us. And it's cool to see that there is a trend mm-hmm. in the right direction at least. 
Yes, at least on Spotify. Absolutely. Um, we are a top 10 podcast for 27 fans. So shout out to you guys who uh, yeah. made us your top 10 podcasts that you listen to. We're a top five for 17 people. So if you're one of those 17, thank you so much uh, for making us a top five. That is fantastic. Um, but we are the number one podcast for five of you guys out there on Spotify. So knuckles, kudos, high fives. Thanks for doing that. All the things. <laughs> That's great. All the things. All all the things. It's very good. Um, our top five. Our, our top fans listen to us 1.9 times more than any of our other listeners. So well done, you guys. You're the real ones. You're the real ones. Indeed. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Let's Good jump stuff. into some lore. Pretty, pretty cool. Let's go. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm excited for this week. We are kind of taking a look at some Easter eggs, if you will, of Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's his most famous work, right? Lord of the Rings is what he is known for. It's what most people know about. But we wanted to kind of look in, kind of zoom in and zoom out, if you will. Like zoom into specific moments or areas, but then also zoom out to see what he's actually referencing. And he's referencing a lot of stuff that we've already talked about in first age stuff, second age stuff, Silmarillion, um, previous characters, stuff like that. So today we thought it'd be really cool to dive into the mirror of Gladriel, that whole interaction in the fellowship of the ring. Um, when the fellowship arrives in Lothlorien, this is right after the tragic death of Gandalf, um, in the Balrog. So, you know, our fellowship is in need of rest. They're sad. They are in need of hope too. And so they, uh, go with Aragorn's, kind of direction to Lothlorien. And uh, as, as Frodo and Sam are talking, this is interesting because uh, obviously there's been a lot of stigma about the Lord uh, or the, the Lord and Lady of the Woods. Yep. You know, Gimli has his own thoughts. Aragorn's obviously got his thoughts, but so uh, it's interesting Boromir that Sam actually... And all the men of Gondor. Yep. Sure, yep. sure. Even Treebeard, actually, as I was yeah. kind of prepping for our next episode, Treebeard even said like... Because I think it was Celeborn said, I wouldn't go to Fangorn. And, and Treebird's like, well, I would have said the same about Lothlorien. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't go there. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> kind of petty that way. Uh, but yeah, so so Sam's talking. And he's it's, it's interesting he, knowing that he's even heard about him. You know, a, a simple Shire from Shire folk from uh, Bag End. But this is what he says. I wonder, I wonder we don't see nothing of the Lord and Lady in all these days. I fancy now that she could do some wonderful things if she had a mind. I do. I I dearly love to see some elf magic, Mister Frodo. Which you know we've heard that word, that term, elf magic, but we don't really have like a a category for it. You know, there's not like a junk drawer box where you can open it up and like this is what elf magic looks like. We've talked about it in the past, like different elves and different abilities that they've had of either foresight or um, healing things. Like you know, you look at like Luthien and and her ability to like spring things from the ground. It's it's just kind of a a very vague thing, you know, as as opposed to like you know, Harry Potter, where it's very, or or even like the Inheritance Cycle, where it's very structured and you have to learn it, you have to know the spells, you have to know the words. It's a lot different. It's it's vague. I'm I'm curious. Like you you kind of brought up this idea, this question, Seth. Um, does the fact that it Tolkien doesn't really have a system for this magic make it more magical? That was the question you you pondered, so I'll let you answer the question first, and I'll get my thoughts. <laughs> well, thanks. I honestly don't know if I have an answer to that. Um, however, I think he does it on purpose, because if you look at his works as a whole, he is so meticulous about every little detail. Like 
to the point where he rewrote certain parts because like uh in the fellowship when they are in Lothlorien and then they're not and Sam after they leave Sam makes a comment like oh, I can't believe we were there for a whole month and he mm. references the moon and stuff Tolkien realized that it didn't line up with his timeline and he went back and rewrote it so that it would fit and that's something yeah. that like nobody's gonna notice but to him it mattered sure. Sure. and yeah. so for him not to have like a meticulously drawn out and well formulated magic system makes me think that it's intentional um mm. and i think that maybe does make it more magical because he doesn't explain it and in you know harry potter or the inheritance cycle or other you know fantasy where the magic system is well developed it makes sense and the reader goes okay so they're using magic whereas the way tolkien does it it's like this is just part of these magical beings normal mm -hmm. baseline um and well you'll see later on with gladriel even she basically says well i don't really consider this elf magic but maybe you do mm -hmm. and uh, so I don't know for sure. There is, I, I need to read through it a little bit more in depth. I believe it's letter 155. Tolkien talks about it. Um, but I just kind of breezed through it. So I didn't really get a, a really good feel for what he sure. was trying to say. Cause Tolkien, <laughs> sometimes you have to read his stuff six or seven times before it makes sense. Sure. Sure. At yeah. least I do. Um, so I, I need to look at that a little bit more in depth, but what do you, what do you think, Sam? Well, I'm thinking about like just the different races within Middle Earth, and each one of them has kind of their own shtick, right? Their own magic to them, except for men. Men don't really have a magic. They have a courage. They have like a, you know, a stature to them. But I, I mean, at least off the top of my head, through my knowledge, like they don't really have a magic that they can go to. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the hobbits kind of have their ability to not be seen. Like they can. I mean, maybe that's more of a skill than a magic, but they're they're still kind of magical beings in a lot of ways. And the dwarves are obviously very magical. Um and to drop can make you grow really, really tall. That's gotta be magical. I mean, I, I don't know. There's just certain certain things like mm. and maybe Col Tolkien did this on purpose as he was I don't know if this was like the his trajectory, but you know, he started writing a new like a follow-up to Lord of the Rings where it was now kind of okay the elves are gone magic is kind of left it's just the men now and it just got really really dark because yeah. he I abandoned mean, it after like 14 pages i think it was yeah he's like i can't write this this is this is getting too dark and too depressing because men just kind of destroy everything and they don't have that magic but they seek it and i think sure. that's why the the ring had such a big pull on on boromir and Asildor and those those characters too because they seek the the power um, that magic has but yeah i don't i don't know the reason why it's not it's so it's so mystical you know there's certain yeah it, and it seems almost convenient too maybe he left it that way to be like oh i can make magic convenient here like elven cloaks here you sure. guys can you know wear those or like the the light of uh the valinor like the having the star um mm. the light of the star for frodo i mean there's like convenient little magic pieces in there but i wouldn't say that's like lazy writing or anything obviously that'd be blasphemy I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if anything, Tolkien was not a lazy writer. Um, yeah. So I see what you're saying. Maybe, maybe there is an aspect of like for it to make sense in a well-structured way, he would have just had to derail the story so much because of mm -hmm. just how he is. Um, yeah. But at the same and time, I can't probably, help. I, I was just gonna say, he'd probably like overutilize it too. Like you look yeah. at even like the wizard like the wizard people they have magic they can use but it's not their main thing 
Like, yeah, it's not what they're you that you don't see them doing incredible things with their magic. It's helpful, but it's not sure. like they're overpowered by that means. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I think you're right. Huh. But it's cool. a good question. Good question that you posed. I, I appreciate that. So as they're kind of talking about it, Frodo, he's like, I don't really desire to see any of the magic that Sam's talking about. Sam's always loved elves. He's always kind of had that like yeah. on wonder for him. And, uh, and Frodo's just like, mm, I've got enough magic around my neck right now. And I don't need to know what else is going on. Um, especially now with, with Gandalf gone, but he's trying to decide like, where's this despair, this void that was left by Gandalf. Like I need to, I don't know, maybe I need to see something. Um, but again, Sam continues talking. He says, yet I hope very much that before we leave, we shall see the lady of the elves again. And so he's, he's very intrigued. Sam is about what she can do and what her powers are, just who she is. And, and I mean, frankly, so is everybody else. Gimli's smitten with her and Boromir's afraid of her and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, obviously Gladriel, she probably has like these, again, magical ears, maybe that she, her elf ears, the pointed ears that are like, oh, I, I hear you, Sam. I'll, I'll help you out. Let me, let me give you a glimpse into some of this elf magic and uh, walks up to them and beckons them to follow towards the mirror of Gladriel. Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, I'm trying to just rack my brain. Is Galadriel the only elf aside from Cirdan to have been in Valinor previously? That's still left because she she has the mat or the mm. light of the Valar because she lived in Valinor, yeah. right? So yeah. I wonder if that contributes to it that even Celeborn, her husband, like he was born in Middle Earth, he wasn't from Valinor. Yep. So I wonder if that contributes mm. to it. I don't know. I mean, absolutely. I would say that that definitely has has a piece to play but yeah I, I, that's a good question i i can't think of anyone else off the top of my head that yeah that is mentioned at least in the trilogy i mean i was thinking like glorfindel but he he was born right he was, i don't know where he was he might have been of the Noldor he was reborn originally. into middle earth sure right so it wasn't like he in that form that he was when we see him in the trilogy had ever been to valinor but i don't know yeah, uh, and then secondly, this is just kind of a fun question. As we move forward with this, I saw the movies first before I read the books. Mm-hmm. So, as I visualize this in my head, I'm visualizing Peter Jackson's, you know, yeah. idea of how this went down. Are you the same way, or do you like when you read this? Are you picturing Tolkien's? Like, is it fresh in your imagination, Tolkien, the way Tolkien describes it, or sure. is it the way P- your interpretation of Peter Jackson? It's a bit of both, if that makes sense. Like I use, I guess maybe the the set of mm. Peter Jackson, you know, the, kind of the 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 visuals of that. But then where Tolkien fills in a lot more gaps than Peter Jackson ever could, um, especially with Sam too, because I don't even think he goes up to look at the mirror at all with with Galadriel in the movies. So yeah, I'm I don't pretty think sure Peter Jackson left that out completely. So you know, you kind of have to create an imagination for what he's thinking, and you know, sure. again. Uh, Tolkien does a great job of making that easy to imagine um, for me. So it's it's a bit of both. I really try hard, like when I do read Lord of the Rings, to just kind of create my own imagination for it. I mean, there's certain things that I just you know, certain characters are just going to look the way they do because of Peter Jackson, right? I mean, sure. I think Viggo Mortensen's a fantastic Aragorn. I think you know we'll leave it at that. I think like 
Sean Austin's an incredible Sam. I like to look yeah. at Frodo a bit older um, and a bit more wise than what we see in in Peter Jackson because he was sure. you know a lot older and Elijah Elijah Wood was what like nineteen twenty maybe when they filmed so I don't know and Legolas yeah. is a little bit different you know he's a bit more ethereal but not cheesy <laughs> sure. ethereal <laughs> I don't know that's fair yeah that's a right. good question I, I, I was just curious I was just curious uh, like I said I think I it's more of the Peter Jackson version of it yeah. from how I picture it in my head but. All right. Well, that's just kind of a fun thought exercise as we go forward into this story, because you've probably seen the exact scene that we're going to talk about with the mirror of Gladriel. And it's it's like this incredible scene in the movies. And I think Peter Jackson, he missed some things that I wish he wouldn't have. But at the same time, he encapsulated what Tolkien was getting at and uh, actually did it very well. Uh, So anyways, Tolkien describes this mirror as a basin of silver that was wide and shallow. And what's interesting to me is Galadriel actually fills up her, I don't know, I, I, I want to say a basin again, but a vase maybe, uh, and pours it in there. But before pouring it into the basin to create the mirror, she actually breathes on it. And mm. I never noticed that until reading through this time, that it's not until she breathes on the water that it becomes, you know, magical i guess so is this just her you know her magical ability is it just that i don't know it's it's interesting to me it is a very interesting detail again one that you'd think tolkien would expound on like he would explain why she had to breathe on it but he doesn't and again maybe there is just that idea like this is a, a being from valinor this is one of the oldest oldest beings on middle earth at this point in time right now just and there's does inexplicable things yeah, maybe. Or yeah. maybe there's part of her that still is connected to that, you know, heavenly realm, if you will, and can sure. bring that to Middle Earth and just through breath or like whatever's on the inside, kind of like that. Because any, I hate that. Well, I don't hate it, but every time I feel like I talk, I go back to scripture yeah. when it comes to this kind of stuff. But God had to breathe things into existence, right? Like that. I mean, he didn't have to, but he, that's what we see is like his spirit yeah. was hovering over. And then when he spoke, he breathed things into existence. Yahweh literally means breath, right? Hmm. And so, I don't know, that makes me think maybe there's power in that for a very powerful being to be able to sure. create, to be able to, in the same way that a wizard would utter a spell, she can just breathe it. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. And another thing that I found interesting about this is, and again, I listened to the audiobook, so I never noticed this until now when I was actually going through line by line in the book, but... Tolkien capitalizes mirror. It's the mirror of Galadriel and it's capitalized. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, so the mirror is its own entity. It's a name, you know, it's not just a mirror, a random mirror, but it's its own thing. And I guess just with the combination of Galadriel's breath and how magical it is from the start, um, I don't know, maybe she learned how to craft it in Valinor under the tutelage of Aule. Who knows? Um, Anyways, anyways, that's going way off the deep end here, but <laughs> Galadriel walks up to the two hobbits because like Sam mentioned, her ears were kind of ringing. She's like, all right, you want to see some elf magic? Come on. And so I'm just going to quote it. And it's, it's a beautifully said by, by Tolkien here. He says from Galadriel's perspective, many things I can command the mirror to reveal and some I can show what they desire, but the mirror will also show things unbidden. And those are often stranger and more profitable than things that we wish to behold. 
What will you see if you leave the mirror free to work? I cannot tell. For it shows things that were, and things that are, and things that may yet be. But, which is it that he sees? Even the wisest cannot always tell. Do you wish to look? So, again, it's like, she's leaving the mirror up to being its own entity, even though she's mm-hmm. the one that breathed life into it. I yeah. don't know. Well, and it also kind of reminds you of like a palantir in that sense of, you know, like a, 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 a thing, an object that can produce something um, that you can see. But I, I love how she, like she says it as it is like there, I, I have some control over it, but it's, it can do its own thing and it's going to change, but depending on who's looking at it. So do you want to look like, do you, because you will see things that you might want to see, but then you're going to see things that you wish you would never have seen probably is kind of how she's right. putting it. So that begs the question, you're in Sam and Frodo's perspective, you're in their shoes. You're like, ah, cool, I'll take a peek, why not? Are you letting the mirror be free to do what it wants, or are you trying to see something specifically? Hmm. I mean, not to skip ahead, obviously Sam's got his own desires of what he wants to see because he cares so much about his hometown. And, and I feel like I'd probably be the same way. Like I'm very much a Sam character. I'm a home homebody. And especially if I was leaving family behind, like he had a huge crush on Rosie Cotton, man. I'd be like, hey, what she's up to? <laughs> what's what's my what's my lady up to? Uh, but I think I'd yeah, it's, it's hard to say because. Again, some things that may not have not yet come to pass and may not come to pass. Um, it's it's like do i even want to look into that and and have that in my in my brain because as we'll see there's some really dark stuff that they see and and it might make them feel like they've failed like there's no point in even going forward because if what they're about to see is proof that they failed their quest even if it's not actually like it that's what it would appear to be right like so yeah. why should we even keep going after seeing something like that well, and Sam honestly feels something similar to that when he sees, you know, the things that he does that you'll get to here in a minute. But I don't know. That's yeah. interesting. I think I'd probably. I don't know. I'd probably just let it do its thing personally. I'm so curious that I'd yeah. just be like, all right, whatever you've got, I want to see it. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, uh, Galadriel continues and she's talking to them and she kind of looks at Sam as she says as she says. For this is what your folk would call magic, I believe, though do I, I do not understand clearly what they mean. But they seem to use the same word as the deceits of the enemy. But this, if you will, is the magic of Galadriel. Do you not wish, did you not say that you wished to see elf magic? So, again, in this phrasing, she's saying, well, I don't understand magic, so maybe Tolkien didn't understand mm-hmm. it. Exactly. But at the sure. same thing, she's saying that magic is used for both light and dark but from her perspective the way it's phrased she's basically saying they shouldn't be compared they're not the same thing yeah she's calling it the deceits of the enemy versus like magic so Mm. i don't know i just found that really interesting yeah no definitely um yeah it's almost like she's just like this is normal for me like i'm just a magical being it doesn't it's not anything different for me i guess it would be for you little one who you know you, you can't do cool things like i can sucker you little muggle i guess to go to harry potter ways <laughs> like sure i don't know but but yeah that's that's a good point so sam does wish to see and he he chooses to 
get up there and, and take a peek and take a gander. And he sees some pretty, pretty dark stuff um, like like we're talked about. So uh, the first thing that he sees is, is Frodo uh, with a pale face lying fast asleep under a great dark cliff, which is a premonition of Shelob's attack on Frodo, as we know that like later on in the book. Uh, chapter, uh, I guess, two towers in the books version. Yep. You know, we have yep. that whole interaction where Frodo, Sam, and Gollum go up into the Shelob's lair. Gollum attacks Sam. Sam and Gollum are fighting, and Frodo goes on ahead by himself, and obviously gets attacked by Shelob. And so that's what he's he's seeing there with Frodo lying pale faced. You know, again, when thinking maybe he's already dead. You know, this is probably what he's yeah. feeling right now as he's seeing this. Like, oh, Frodo dies in the future. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to see that, but then he sees another, uh, another vision of himself actually going along a dim passage and climbing an endless stair, which again is obviously pointing towards, uh, his, his rescue mission in the tower of Kirith as he moves up there. I love that part in the movie. He's like, that's my <laughs> old gaffer. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. But then again, we see, uh, see him looking urgently like he sees a, a, a vision of him looking urgently for something but not knowing what it was so again the mirror is not completely clear either like it's mm-hmm. kind of it'll give you snapshots of stuff which lets your imagination wander like is he looking for frodo in this sense is he looking for the ring in this sense is he looking like what's he looking for is he just looking for his spices i mean we, i mean probably not that but he's <laughs> He's he looking knows urgently. Where those are. He knows. Yeah, where he's those got are. those. <laughs> got those in his back pocket. He's he, yeah, he's got those. <laughs> uh, but then he also has this really good vision of really the end of the books where trees are falling and crashing to the ground, and he sees Ted Sandyman cutting down these trees. And I love how he just like says to himself, he's like, "I wish I could get to get at Ted, and I'd fell him. Like I'd cut him down like a tree." And uh, and then he's he starts seeing, but but the trees like that's very metaphorical to just the the growth of the shire like as the trees are growing up but the trees are getting cut down like the nature of everything and again tolkien was he loved trees they're they're very sacred to him and so obviously sam a gardener feels like okay if trees are being cut down that's not right this is something's going on and so he starts saying like there's some delivery at work in the shire and he starts saying i, I can't stay here i must go home they've dug up they've dug up backshot row and there's my poor old gaffer going down the hill with his bits of things on a barrow and and then it's just like he's he's like seeing all these things that he he knows again he's wanting to know what's going on back home and he's seeing what's actually in the future but feeling like it's in the present which again that would be like how do you discern that seth like if you were if you were looking at the mirror how would you tell is this in the present or is this in the future you have no idea because as gladriel herself says she's like some things that are some things that were and some that may yet be and it's like yeah I don't know. Well, I, I don't think it's already happened. Maybe. Yeah. At least for the Frodo part, because Frodo's right next to him. As for the Shire part, maybe it already happened. Like, there's no way to to know. And this is why I think Sam out of nowhere, and you'll say this eventually, I think, um, in the doc, but he he's basically like, I, I gotta get home. I have to get home. And Gladriel's like, well, you didn't want to go before you saw this. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's really what you want to do. It's just your the mirror is making you feel these you know that type of way yeah absolutely because he's seeing the scouring of of the shire and represent like he references that future chapter and he again he's not sure if it's it's now and so he's like i, I gotta get out of here and but like as you as you mentioned gladio reminds him of the danger um of of this mirror and uh, 
He's like, but no, I'll go home by the long road, Mr. Frodo, or not at all, but I hope I do go back someday. If what I've seen turns out true, somebody's going to catch it hot. I love that. Somebody's going to catch it hot. Like somebody's he's like, going to yeah. catch it hot. Like I'm going home, whether it's right now or the long road, you know, referencing, okay, after we drop the, the ring in Mount Doom, I'm coming back and I'm coming back with yep. fire that, you know, if somebody's messing up with my trees, my garden, my people, my rosy cotton, they are going to get it, man. He's like, they're going to catch it hot. I love it. There's just a couple of things that I just love about like just that little couple sentences, that little phrasing. So like, like you mentioned, no, I'll go home by the long road or not at all. He's basically saying he's reaffirming his commitment to the quest to Frodo to his master. He's reaffirming that even after seeing he's a hobbit, he had never hardly left, you know, more than what, like 10 miles outside of his home. And so everything that he's known and loved his whole life, he now knows is at risk based on what he saw in the mirror and he's reaffirming, yeah. no, I need to stick it out. I need to complete the task. Yep. But then like you said, somebody's going to catch it hot. Like just the phrasing that Tolkien uses to separate Sam, who is the gardener, who is the servant and Frodo, who is a scholar and he's an, you know, he's an elf friend. Yeah. Just the way they speak is drastically different, but I love mm-hmm. how like, blue collar the way sam talks is yeah. in a way you yeah. know like he's just like ah oh, somebody's gonna catch it hot yeah absolutely he's got that he's got that fire in him he honestly i i think sam would be from eastern, eastern kentucky i think he fits you the think, so? <laughs> okay. think so i think so would be yeah that's uh, it's how they talk <laughs> i i don't know i love it um yeah. so at this point frodo you know it's sam's like all right i don't want to see any more i don't want to see any more elf magic and so frodo is talking to Galadriel and he, he asks Galadriel, do you advise me to look? And, and she's like, well, you didn't want to see elf magic before. Um, but there still might be something you see here. And Galadriel actually, I don't know if this is on purpose by Tolkien, but he he's from Galadriel's perspective. He says, I do not counsel you one way or another. I am not a counselor. Really? I am not a counselor. <laughs> You may learn something and whether you see what you see be fair or evil, that may be profitable. And yet it may not. Is Gladriel not a counselor? Like, I actually have an answer for this question. Okay. Early in the book, in the fellowship of the ring, uh, like Sam and Frodo see the wood elves and uh, they're talking with that guy. I forget his name. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, he said something along the lines of, and do not ask for counsel of elves for they will not give you a yes or a no, uh, but they'll only <laughs> he, he speak riddles or something like yes that. and no at the same, or no, Frodo yeah, says yeah, yeah. that to him. Frodo's, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what okay. came to my mind. She's just like affirming what Frodo already knew about elves. And, you know, Frodo thinks this is like some like higher being of an elf and it is, but she's still like, ah, yes, no, do what you want to do. <laughs> huh? interesting that's, that's my a, thought that's anyway. a, no that's a perfect take but at the same time like elrond is a counselor and yeah hmm and Celeborn even counsels him a little bit on like what paths to take it just it was surprising to me that tolkien threw that in there from gladriel's perspective because she's literally like the aside from maybe gandalf she's the wisest being in middle earth at the time yeah. so yeah she's not a counselor really i don't know anyways she basically tells Frodo, like, I wouldn't have brought you here if I didn't think you had the courage and bravery uh, mm. and wisdom to take a look. But I'm ultimately I'm leaving that up to you. If you want to look, you can. Yeah. And 
what he sees is just like a whirlwind of these different things that are fascinating and with tons of little bits of lore in them. And so Tolkien says he saw a twilt twilight twilight. twilight? twilight. I guess that, yeah, that makes more sense. I was like twilt. twilt? Huh, that's a new word. <laughs> oh boy. He saw a twilight land. Mountains loomed dark in the distance against a pale sky. A long gray road wound back out of sight. Far away, a figure came slowly down the road, faint and small at first, but growing larger inside and clear as it approached. Suddenly, Frodo realized that it reminded him of Gandalf. But the figure was not clad in gray, but in white. In a white that shone faintly in the dusk, and in it, er, and in its hand, there was a white staff. And so, obviously, to you and I, we're like, hey... He's seeing Gandalf coming back from Valinor, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was sent back for a time until my task is complete. Yep. But from Frodo's perspective, it's like, did I see Gandalf? Did I see Sauron? Like, what am I seeing? And that's got to be a complete mind trip to Frodo, who is mm-hmm. thinking that Gandalf's dead, you know? Yep. And I'm trying to remember when they're reunited at the end of, you know, at the end of The Return of the King, if Frodo mentions something about this, I don't know why that's like buzzing in the back of my head, but maybe he, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know me, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. We know this. Um, but I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. Cause I think the mirror is trying to give yep. him a little bit of hope. Like this is Gandalf. He's returned sure, and he's sure. more powerful than before. But to Frodo, it's like, what? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, and so then the mirror jumps and he sees Bilbo walking restlessly around his room with disordered papers everywhere. And then all of a sudden it swaps again. And uh, he saw many swift scenes that Frodo had knew had something to do with a great history. Um, so Frodo doesn't understand everything he's about to see, but he knows it's significant for some reason. And Sam, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this kind of uh, before we get to the my theory portion. Just let me read these little bits and I want to hear what you think. Uh, He saw the sea, then darkness. The sea rose and raged in a great storm. The black outline of a tall ship to the west. Then it shifted again. Then a wide river flowing through a populous city. And then it shifts again. Then a large ship with black sails and a banner bearing the emblem of a white tree. Smoke and fire and battle arose. Then into it, the mist, it passed away. Yeah, so without reading ahead into yours, I mean, it's I, I feel like we're probably on, on the same vein here. This sounds to me like the reshaping of the world when Ilavatar's, you know, hears the cry from uh, the Numenorians and uh, uh, Erendil as he kind of, sh- he took his ship out to go, you know, plead on on the case of the Valar to come, come do something to help him out. Um, and so I th- I'd say like the, you know, when the sea rose and raged into a great storm, I would definitely say it's like the, the reshaping of the world um, and the fall of Numenor, the wide river flowing through a populous city. I mean, you, you put it in there, Osgiliath. I think that's probably very good, especially when you uh, look at uh, the banner of bearing an emblem of the white tree, um, hinting Minas Tirith perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's for sure the the fall and the fall of Numenor and then the reshaping the world. Though I don't know why Frodo would see that, like what benefit that is to him. But uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, uh, you basically described what my theory was as well. And 
with the the giant storm and the raging waves like that's in my opinion that's the fall of numenor and the coming of elendil and his sons to to middle earth when he says like the tall ship out of the west right mm. so i imagine that's what he saw um yeah but then as it continues it's almost like a sped up timeline of from when elendil comes to aragorn taking his rightful place as king mm. and i don't think at the time frodo knows this but he's he's basically looking at Aragorn after the paths of the dead when he Legolas and Gimli along with, you know, it's not actually the dead people anymore. He had already freed them in the books, but you know, it's the Dunedain of the North and then all the people from Pilargir and all these other places that they picked up uh, to help him fight. And they jump out and help rescue Minas Tirith. And he displays the banner that Arwen had made for him. Um, and and then at the very end, when it says, uh, then into the mist, it passed away, talking about a tree, or a, t- a tree, a ship. And yeah. in my opinion, th- that is him leaving, Le- leaving Middle Earth. He's, he's mm. having a premonition of him getting onto this small ship that is being swept away back into the West. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's... It's good. It's a good thing to know too for him as he's sailing off into the west that he can always just jump ship and swim back if he needs to. Because of Guy Ladriel, <laughs> I couldn't help it. I was like just thinking about because I was again. I'm like remembering that scene in in the, the movies and the books and how beautiful it is. Is there's you know sailing off into the west, the Grey Havens, and then it just for whatever reason rings a power pop in my head and. I was like they're all they're all like taking off their armor, looking at this bright light, and she's like. No, I'm gonna jump up and swim back, and then she'll be. Uh, Frodo will be rescued by Sauron, and Sauron's gonna be like, "Yo, bro, <laughs> I'm gonna jump in the water and save you, even though you're my mortal enemy." And like, hey, no hard feelings about destroying the battered door. <laughs> yeah, no, just lazy, arrogant, insignificant yeah. writing, bro. That is, oh my gosh, oh, rings of power was trash, <laughs> absolute <laughs> trash. <laughs> The Sundering Sea, like literally, it's it's like the size of the Pacific Ocean, and she jumped off yep. like, I don't know, Hawaii, <laughs> like right before getting to Hawaii and decided <laughs> to swim back to California. Like, I know, yeah. I know she's Gladriel, but come on now. Mm, yeah, that's. Uh, anyway, yeah, I feel like we should always make our episodes a crap fest of Rings of Power, but it just popped in my mind. I had to say it. No, that's, <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, anyways. I just find it interesting that Frodo is basically seeing like a sped up timeline of, mm-hmm. of things that will come to be, but he has no idea yeah. how they're interconnected. Um, yeah. And at this point, Frodo is basically like, all right, I've seen enough. This that was weird. And he starts to pull away. But right as he starts to pull away, and I think Peter Jackson did a pretty good job of this scene in the movie, but right as he's about yeah, to pull yeah. away, uh, the mirror goes completely black and Frodo just looked into emptiness which has got to be kind of weird. Like imagine you're just mm-hmm. in space and you're just, it's empty. There's nothing there. You can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. And Frodo just is looking into emptiness. And then all of a sudden a single eye that grew larger and larger and larger until it, you know, just like filled up the whole mirror and that's all he can see. Um, and Tolkien says it's a fascinating description, but he says that Frodo couldn't cry out or withdraw his gaze. And if you remember in the movie, the rings like pulling him down mm-hmm, towards, mm-hmm. towards it. Um, but this is how the eye is described. And again, I think Peter Jackson did a pretty good job of this, but it says, sure. 
The eye was rimmed with fire, but itself was glazed, yellow as a cat's, watchful and intent, and the black slit of its pupil opened on a pit, a window into nothing. The void. Gosh. Yeah. So it's like the eye wreathed in flame. I know, obviously, Tolkien didn't mean for Sauron to just be this big baddie eye the whole series. The way you Sauron said that. Is- because <laughs> Sauron was eye. yeah Sauron was still a being he wasn't just a great yeah. eye so yeah. but this description of it I think maybe even just this little description is when is how Tolkien or uh, Peter Jackson was like ah we can make that the you know the big bad <laughs> yeah. guy of the entire story mm-hmm. um, so I find that a, a very fascinating description it's very in depth but it's also like oddly creepy and eerie oh yeah I mean I, I think we we see a few different occasions where Tolkien actually does a really good job of doing like kind of that horror horror thriller yeah. type of writing where, I mean, he does it with the black riders, the Nazgul, obviously the Barrow downs. The Barrow whites. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. Even yeah, like again, the here, paths of the dead. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's pretty creepy. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think he does a good job of like, this isn't just like a random eye. This isn't just like a, there's something specific about this and and in the pit like it opened up into a pit a window into nothing like that just kind yeah. of makes, makes me think of the void that he was supposed to be cast into where where morgoth was you know in the void and sure yeah pretty pretty intense interesting um so just, just picture yourself you're frodo you're trying to pull away you can't this eye just keeps getting bigger and bigger until it like consumes all of your vision and mm-hmm. Tolkien says, then the eye began searching and Frodo knew that he himself was something that the eye sought, but he knew that it couldn't see him yet unless he willed it. The ring then became heavy like a great stone and his head was dragged toward the water. The mirror seemed to be growing hot and curls of steam were rising from the water. He was slipping forward. And just the way Tolkien ends that with like the sentence of it doesn't say he felt like he was slipping forward or like he builds it up and he just says he was slipping forward. And it's like, yep, that's terrifying. Just that description. He knows that he's being sought after by this giant mm-hmm. eye. He, he probably can guess it's Sauron at this point, but he's just like yep. completely consumed by it. And then he's slipping forward. Like it's almost inevitable. Yeah. And again, you think of like the decision he made to actually look into yep. the, the mirror and like what good has he gotten from seeing it? I mean, I guess you get the hope of, Oh, of Gandalf. And if he can put all all the pieces together, like your theory of Aragorn coming back and all that kind of stuff. But up to this point, like if I'm Frodo, I'm like, there's no hope for this quest from what I'm seeing. Like I'm not seeing anything helpful. In fact, I'm, I think this is more of a scare tactic. It feels like from Sauron, like he's taking control over this in the same way the Palantir would have done to Denethor or to Aragorn or to Pippin you know um it's so I, yeah i almost have a i want to finish just kind of this little bit and then i want to circle sure, back sure. to that um but with that galadriel actually just said do not touch the water and the vision ended like that so she somehow managed to snap him out of this trance and entirely get rid of the vision just by saying that so is that more mm-hmm. health magic i don't know but what <laughs> i wanted to circle back to is the fact that Frodo looked, was it for his benefit or was it from for Galadriel's benefit? Because mm. this whole thing, it literally prompts 
Gladriel to be like, I know what you have seen. I see it too. Yeah. It haunts me as well. And then she like pulls out, you know, Nenya, this is the ring of adamant. And she talks about her ring for Elrond wasn't permitted to speak of it, but I am indeed the one of the bearers. And it's not just by wisdom and words that we protect our borders, basically saying like, I have a ring of power and he's searching for mm. me too. But this whole thing sets up Galadriel to deny taking the ring from Frodo because seeing the eye just like Frodo's got to be pissing his pants, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. This is way too big for a little hobbit from the Shire. This is way too grandiose for him to deal with. And yeah. so it's like right after this that he basically offers, you know, offers mm -hmm. the ring to, well, now that I think about it, I know he does in the movie, but I almost feel like in the book that it's Sam that prompts it. And he says, like, I wish you'd take the enemy's ring. I'd have to Maybe. double check. But um, regardless, it kind of sets up Galadriel to be able to let go of this power that she genuinely desires thinking that she'd be able to use the ring for good. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, let you, I was, I'll let you look that up real quick. Yeah. So she, here we go. So, uh, this is where, yeah, you are wise and fearless. And fair, Lady Gladriel said Frodo, I will give you the one ring if you ask for okay, it. Okay. It is too great a matter for me. Gladriel laughed yeah. with a sudden clear laugh. Why is the Lady Gladriel may be, she said. Yet here she has met her match in courtesy. courtesy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then she, you know, Dark Lord, you have a queen. Not dark, but beautiful. <laughs> Terrible is the morning and the night. Fair in the sea and the sun. And then she says she passed the test. So, yeah, this was right after that. But yeah it it is interesting i i think she was curious what the ring bearer would see i think she was really curious about if it would coincide with what she's seen if if it would if she'd gain any more intel because i assume like the the mirror it's not just whoever's seeing it sees it like she can mm. see it while standing off to the side i imagine because she says I, I know what you saw i see i see it as well sure but i don't know that's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. When Frodo looks, like you said, he doesn't really like. Why would it bring him hope or courage? Right? If he knew, if he could, if he could decipher what the mirror was trying to tell him, with Gandalf coming back as Gandalf the White and Aragorn going to, you know, bring it full Mysterious. circle with the paths yeah. of the dead and the battle of the Pelennor and everything, then yeah, that would bring hope. But that that stuff makes no sense to him. The only thing that made sense was this giant eye wreathed in flame yeah so i don't know do you do you think that um how do i phrase this that sauron would have been able to see him if he would have willed it like if frodo like what would frodo have had to do hmm. for sauron to be able to see him because frodo's the bearer of the one ring at this point so does he yep. just say like mentally does he just put forth the power of the ring to try to communicate with Sauron and then all of a sudden Sauron knows exactly where he is does Sauron know that he was being observed by Frodo like does he have a, a sure. sixth sense to be like oh something's looking at me where is it I'm because Tolkien says it's like a searching eye that he was looking mm -hmm. for something is that just a turn of phrase that you know Sauron's looking for Frodo nonstop because Frodo has a ring or does he sense what's going on in this moment yeah, that's that's probably something we're never going to have an answer for, uh, unfortunately. But it's a good question to to ask, and I think there's 
the fact that it was so menacing and that it was so like it started he was slipping forward like it had power yeah. over him at the moment yeah and i mean the mirror like you mentioned could be kind of its own being well so is the ring the, the ring is also right. like its own being and it all it wants is to get back to his master as we know that's what gandalf says and so if the ring is able to see oh there's my master in in the water right there like we're gonna go down there <laughs> he's gonna bring frodo down into that and so i think maybe the it's more so the ring that has uh some of this to play too mm-hmm. i think I think it is indicative of obviously Sauron's just constantly watching and, and looking for Frodo, looking for the ring and the ring is trying to go back to him. And so that's why it's kind of pulling him down into the, into the mirror. I, I don't think Sauron probably knew he was observed. I, I think that's, it's not like a plant here where you, it's like a, you know, a FaceTime. This is more so, <laughs> this is more so like, again, I think magic that, cause that could have been any, at any point, like him with a searching eye, that could be in the moment that could be in the past, in the future, as she says, That's like, good point. I mean, it's just constant, right? What, what Sauron is doing, he's searching for Frodo. And so maybe that's just more so that, I don't know. I almost wonder if it's, you remember when like Frodo puts on the one ring instead of destroying it before, you know, yeah. Gollum jumps on his back and stuff. I wonder, cause in that moment, if I remember correctly, and I, it's been a while since I read it, but I'm pretty sure Frodo like feels all of Sauron's like attention just shift right to him. So I wonder if it's almost a premonition of that moment. Yeah, it could be. I still also have. I need to figure out how Sam can wear the One Ring in like. Uh, well, I think it was like the Shelob's Lair, or not? Not Shelob's. He he wore the ring. Yeah. And Kirithungal without yeah. there being any issues. But then as soon as Frodo puts it on, like everything's drawn to it. I I need to figure I'd probably need to do some more digging on that one. But yeah. Could be it could very well be a permission of that, I'm I'm sure. Yeah. It might also be that Sauron was so distracted by everything that you know, the allies, if you will, uh were yeah. putting forth at his gates that it just distracted him long enough to uh that he didn't really notice Sam. Yeah. That's a good point. I was trying Searching to find that spot where you said here, but uh, uh, I could see. be wrong. I don't know. It's hard to dig those up on on the spot. <laughs> I have come, he said, but I do not choose now to do what I came to do, and I will not do this deed. The ring is mine. And suddenly he set it upon his finger. He vanished from Sam's sight. Sam gasped, but he had no chance to cry out. For at that moment, many things happened. Something struck Sam, that's obviously Smeagol, and far, and far away as Frodo put on the ring and claimed it for its own, even in Samoth Noir, the very heart of his realm, the power in Barad-dûr was shaken, and the tower trembled from its foundation, and, and its proud eye, bitter crown. The Dark Lord was suddenly aware of him, and his eye piercing all shadows looked across the plain to the door that he had made, and the magnitude of his own folly was revealed to him in a blinding flash, and all the devices of his enemies were at, laid, were at last laid bare. Then his wrath blazed in consuming flame, but his fear rose like a vast black smoke to choke him. Dang. For he knew his deadly peril and threat upon which his doom now hung. But yeah. Man, that is so, so well written. And it's, I don't know. Maybe that's not what Frodo's seeing, but I can imagine that once he put on the ring, he was like, oh, I've seen this, this movie before. <laughs> like, ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> well, that was fun. I, I really enjoyed that episode. I It's fun to... Same. I know it's such a small little snippet in the book, and I don't know. 
going through it line by line and picking up on all the little lore, I I never really picked up before that, you know, sure. it was probably the fall of Numenor and Aragorn coming to the Pelennor to help rescue Minas Tirith. Like all those little things just come together and it's it's fascinating. Absolutely is. Yeah. Then again, it's you have so much appreciation for Tolkien's work when you start understanding how much more of it there really is. Because like yeah. you said, you can read something six times and have no idea what it means. But if you read through, again, the fall of Numenor and the Silmarillion, or you go through first, second age stuff, you start making these connections that Tolkien wanted to do because he cared more about that than Lord of the Rings. He really did. Yeah. That was his prized possession was, you know, those three major stories, Baron and Luthien and the fall of Numenor and the fall of Gondolin. Um, and so like he, he's like, I, I want you guys to go find it. He's like, here's a little snippet. Go find it. Like he's kind of putting these like, I just, you need to see what else I have. Well, if you remember, I'm pretty sure Tolkien was rejected in public. He wanted to publish the Silmarillion with the Lord of the Rings. And I'm yep. pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he wanted to do this and it was rejected by the publishing house. And so yeah. you can't help but think that, not that he retroactively wrote these little Easter eggs in there, if you will, but he was still so obsessed with the greater history that it's like it, it, yeah. it flows through all of his writings. And so it's mm -hmm. cool that even, I mean, imagine reading Lord of the Rings for the first time before the Silmarillion was published and you're like, what in True. the world are all these references? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing. Confusing. Thankfully we live in a time where, you know, I can throw on the audiobook and listen to Andy's circus, read me, you know, the Silmarillion. So <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. This has been a really good episode, yeah. a little Easter egg dive, uh, deep dive into the mirror of Galadriel. So thanks for uh, coming up with this idea. Um, next week, uh, we're probably gonna be jumping into some lore that Treebeard himself knows, uh, Fangorn, the, the oldest int uh, that we know of, and just some of his, his ideas some thoughts and some cool, fun banter between him and the hobbits. It's going to be, it's gonna be fun. I've been doing a lot of work and putting that together and it's, I just love that character. Well, I mean, we'll talk plenty about it yeah, later on. That's yeah. uh, an exciting one for sure. Yeah, definitely. But as you know, now is the time where Gondor calls for aid. We are breaking into the halls of Metaselt and shouting, Gondor calls for aid. So will you, Rohan, answer? So if you enjoyed the podcast, please light a beacon of your own by sharing it with some fellow friends and fans. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us that Christmas present review of five stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please share your Tolkien story or thoughts on the podcast or maybe what what, do you, what questions do you have for Seth and I that we can go deep dive and what, what are some Easter eggs you'd like to have explained that as you read through Lord of the Rings. Whatever yeah. it is, send it our way. We will gladly read through that on the podcast and then uh, maybe even make an entire episode about that. Uh, go ahead and make sure to check out our uh, Well-Earned Comforts YouTube channel as well where this video and other videos have been uploaded as well. But you can email us with any questions, thoughts, stories at weckpodcast at gmail.com like i mentioned next week we're jumping into another easter egg with treebeard and his knowledge of lore and his poetry that puts the hobbits to sleep i can't wait it should be a good time we thank you for joining us for some well-earned comforts and until next time we bid you a very fond farewell <laughs>